All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Tech Stack Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It was an eventful week in Morgantown, an absolutely disgusting pl- display of baseball on Saturday, followed up with a very close loss on Sunday. Sees Texas Tech lose the series 2-1 to one to West Virginia, but the key here was they got that win on Friday. They didn't get swept. They went into Morgantown, got a win over a red-hot West Virginia team that likely keeps them on the right side of the bubble. Uh, we'll talk about all three games, hopefully not so much uh, about Saturday, and what needs to happen against Kansas for Texas Tech to make it to the NCAA tournament. In addition to that, Texas Tech football being projected as going to the Cotton Bowl by some people. Is that realistic? And is there actually a QB battle between Tyler Shuck and Bear Morton? All right, so we'll start with the baseball, and we'll go day by day, then break down the series as a whole. On Friday, Mason Molina, he pitched pretty well. He did his job. He kept you in the game. There were some problems with him. He allowed two runs in four and two-thirds, both earned, only gave up three hits, struck out six. The problem is the walks and how long it takes him to get these out. He walked four guys on ball, hit a, hit a guy with a pitch, pitched 98 pitches and didn't get out of the fifth inning. Now, he did his job. He got you four and two-thirds. Coombs came in, gave up one hit, then got a strikeout, got out of the inning, got you to that sixth inning where Beckel came in and was just absolutely lights out. 66 pitches for Brandon Beckel on Friday, four innings, gave up just two hits, struck out seven. He walked a couple, and it got a little – he shut them down, really. It got – it got a little dicey in the seventh. It was a 3-2 game still at that point. Brandon Beckel has the bases loaded. It is a 2-2 count, two outs, and a pitch clock violation on the batter for not getting in the box. That's a strikeout, <laughs> um, and Texas Tech survives the inning. And then, of course, Brandon Beckel comes in. Perfect inning in the eighth. Two guys were warming up in the seventh, getting hot. Um, you thought that there may be a pitching change. Beckel may not make it through the seventh. He comes in, shuts them down in the eighth. And then a big play by Austin Green, who I had been critical of. But he got a double, drove in two RBIs. It was his only hit of the weekend, but it was a massive hit because after that, Beckel had three runs. They got it. There was no doubt that he was being left in the game after you got the three-run lead. Um, he came in. It got a little bit dicey. They got a couple guys on. But he closes it out. Texas Tech wins 5-2. And this was an absolutely massive win for Texas Tech from an RPI standpoint. West Virginia is a really good baseball team. West Virginia is likely going to host a regional. They could host a super regional. They could be a top eight seed. They only need one game against Texas to be the number one seed in Arlington. This win likely made it so you only need to win the series against Kansas. If you would have got swept, you may have needed to sweep Kansas, then go and get a win or two in Arlington. Now, I think you just need to win the series against Kansas. And that takes us... And, okay, there's two more things I want to talk about here. Um, Because you got one ball called on you this weekend on Mason Molina. It looked like he got the West Virginia batter out, um, or runner out. I don't think that was actually a balk. That was in the bottom of the first. And in the top of the first, Kevin Bazell hit a home run that looked like it was gone. 
and it was called foul, and there was no video evidence to overturn it. Now, Bazell went and hit another home run. He had two home runs this weekend, but he hit a home run at his next at-bat, so he got it right back. But a good win on Friday, and at that point, Texas Tech was playing with house money. They did what they had to do, and on Saturday, the wheels came off in a bad way. Trendon Parrish, he had his worst outing of the season, uh, only pitched three innings, allowed eight runs, eight earned. I know there were some people that were mad that nobody was warming up earlier in the third inning. I think once they got behind, Tim Tadlock just decided, you know what, we don't have the bullpen to compete in three games if our starters aren't going at least four or five innings. I'm going to leave him in for this third inning, let him work around it, and pitch the guys I want to pitch on Sunday. I think that's what happened there. And then after that, of course, Andrew Devine comes in. Uh, he had a bad outing. He pitched two innings, gave up four runs, um, three hits, struck out two. Not a good outing from him. And then, of course, Brendan Gurton comes in, gives up four runs, all earned, three hits. He struck out four. He had a good first inning when he pitched. And then the wheels came off in his second inning pitching. But... That was basically the story. It was just a massacre. You batted 7 of 34, only scored two runs. It was ugly. You you were going against Blaine Traxel. And a hand up, I thought that Friday was going to be the tougher game to win when you were going up against a lefty because this team tends to struggle against lefties, especially on the road. And Blaine Traxel, he's a righty. And I was listening to the radio broadcast at the beginning, and they kept saying, who I'm – they kept saying, Blaine Traxel, who I'm adamant is not actually good, is just making these hitters look foolish out there. And he really did. I, I saw one video. It was the Looney Tunes one where those batters take three swings at a ball and it's three batters in a row. And it's like watching them not be able to hit a 65-mile-per-hour pitch. And that's kind of what it was like going up against Blaine Traxel or just watching that game. And, I mean, to be fair – Pretty much everybody in the Big 12 has had the same issue issue against Traxel. And, well, it happened to us. Um, moving on from that, Sunday was an intense game. Um, you still didn't hit well. You were 5 of 30 that day. You were 202 total batting average on the weekend. It just really wasn't a good game. I I have a couple white spin on a hitting streak. Ty Coleman, who I get hit well on Friday, he didn't play at all on Saturday after going 2-for-3 on Friday, and then he goes 0-for-4 on Sunday. I, I don't know why at no point he was pinch hit for by Hudson White, and I understand that you may not want to start Hudson White because um, Dylan Maxey was the starting catcher on Sunday. You may not want to start Hudson White out as a DH in case Maxi gets injured and White needs to go there and or if Maxi gets injured and White's the DH you either lose your DH spot or you're having to move Kevin Bazell to catcher and you don't really have a good third baseman other than him and by the way Kevin Bazell I thought played really well in the field this weekend um but you have a guy who's on a hitting streak in Hudson White yeah it was one for four one for three but he has been really good for you as of late. Um, he's gotten a hit in every game that he's played in since the Kansas State series on the weekend. I mean, 
man, to leave him out of the lineup and to have it being a one, a two-run game and Hudson White wasn't in there hitting, that one's painful. You had bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth, I or top of the eighth, down by two with two outs. It would have been really nice to see Hudson White go in at that point, especially since he was pulled early on Saturday for Maxi because it was a blowout. I, I don't get why we didn't see Hudson White hit there at all. And... You had chances in this game. Um, you had chances to take this series. Pitching-wise, Zane Petty, I thought, pitched pretty well. He's not that effective his second time through the lineup. He gave up one run. He only pitched two innings, but he did what he had to do. Ryan Free gave up a pair of runs in three innings, but eight three up for you. Josh Sanders gave up two runs in that one inning. And, man, that one hurts because Zach Vuletic, right before that home run, he had, it wasn't an error, but he had a chance to make a play on that ball, get the out. Instead, he reaches on a single, and then the very next batter takes you deep, takes the lead. Um, it was a tie game at that point. That one's, that one's kind of a tough one to give up. Um, Rogers, Jacob Rogers, who is a guy that hasn't pitched a lot this year, and I said last podcast I wanted to see him in the series. He pitched a scoreless inning. He gave up two hits, so it wasn't the cleanest, but he pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, Bridges and Robinson came in, closed it out. Bridges threw one pitch. Um, It's a disappointing loss. You had chances, but I will say this. Overall, Texas Tech's ERA this weekend was 8.64. Their slugging percentage was just .364, which is nowhere near where it normally is and their batting average was 202 and now the pitching numbers are inflated because of Saturday they actually pitched pretty decently on Friday and Sunday against a red hot lineup on the road but that 202 batting average and I know they have they're better hitting at home I don't think that you're going to see any averages or slugging percentages percentages near that this weekend against Kansas because it's in Lubbock but if you get to a regional, which it looks like you will, you're going to be on the road, and those batting averages, they just need to hit better on the road. They have not hit well on the road this season. Um, Austin Green is one of them. He had that double, which I thought would change the momentum for him a bit. He still ended up going one for seven on the weekend, which, to be fair, wasn't far off the team average by any means, um, which is an indictment on the team, and he was nearly at your slugging percentage and he did get on base but Austin Green's a guy that struggles on the road um, if it wasn't for Tabor Fast coming in and ripping that double your slugging percentage would have been 354 or sorry 344 and you would have bat under 200 this weekend if a pitcher didn't come in and rip a double on s- Saturday I will say a couple of things to illustrate the craziest craziness of baseball. You were on the road. You batted 202. You your slugging percentage was 364. You walked a total of 22 guys. Your ERA was 8.64, and you were a ball into the gap in the top of the eighth away from winning this series on the road against who is now the number six team in the nation. The second thing, West Virginia, they are now 6-1 and one in Big 12 series with their only loss 
coming to Kansas. And if they get a game in Austin, if they get two games in Austin, they would go 7-1 and one in Big 12 series with their only loss coming to the team that they have to play in the 1-8 matchup, which is uh, pretty wild. But there was some controversy at the end, and I will say I think some people are overreacting. There was a tweet that Texas Tech refused the handshake line. I don't think that's actually a thing in baseball, uh, in college baseball. I, I, I know coaches shake hands. I normally you shake hands with your own team. I really don't get what the point of that tweet was, or people jumping over tag on tag. And I, I'm going to talk about Iowa State fans here in a minute. Um, people jumping all over tag for not shaking hands. It's like, do you watch baseball? How often is there actually a handshake line between the teams? Like, I'm sorry, you're. Your, your, one of your coaches just got tossed from the game for arguing a clear interference call and putting his hand on an ump. And, and now now there's complaints about sportsmanship, which, look, I, I thought the fans were pretty amazing. That's going to help them a lot in a regional. I hope Lubbock, fans in Lubbock are just as rowdy. I know they really are pretty close now. I, I don't think our fans are as, I'm going to choose my words wisely here, unbaseball intelligent as their fans, because every single call that didn't go their way, and it would be the most obvious calls in the world, were being booed like crazy. Like, it was a ball a foot off the plate, and the guys in the back are having an aneurysm. It, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They weren't the most intelligent. I, they don't probably don't watch much college baseball. They're not up there that much. But they're having a heck of a season this season. It's a rowdy place. It's going to be an amazing regional to watch. Um, but the handshake line complaints, I think, are just completely ridiculous. I Handshake lines don't really happen. And you saw some tech fans getting on it. Like, all right, guys, come on. Be a little bit smarter. I'm sorry if the noise is bad there. There was a helicopter going over me uh, right there. But, like, the tech fans, and I, I'm not going to start a Viva the Re- Revolution here against them or or say which account it was, but one of them just went absolutely insane, thinking that there were locker room issues in the team. No, not not creating the handshake line that you don't normally do after games is not a locker room issue. I'm sorry, that's not. it. This team lost this weekend because West Virginia is a really good baseball team, and they, they're not good at hitting on the road. And there's problems with the pitching staff. There's major problems. And I want to talk about Brandon Beckel because the only reason that we are even in this position right now to go to the tournament is because of him. Here's just a few of his outings that I pulled up that I thought were key. He went two scoreless innings in a 9-8 win over Gonzaga. Two scoreless innings versus Iowa gets the win credited to him. Two and a third scoreless against Oklahoma State gets win. Two scoreless versus TCU in that 20-16 win. It was the first two scoreless innings that we posted of the series after seven straight innings of them scoring. Six-out save versus TCU on Sunday. Three scoreless at Stanford. He gets credited with a win. Pitches a clean sixth and seventh inning on that Saturday against Kansas State. He entered the game up 3-2. We ended up winning 5-2. Three-out save versus Sam Houston State on Friday. Eight-out scoreless save versus Sam Houston on Sunday. 12-out save versus West Virginia this past Friday where we entered three up 3-2. Three, we don't trust the rest of our bullpen, and we won it 5-2. I mean, this guy, without Brandon Beckel, we are not even 
on the bubble. We we are not even talking about how we can get to the tournament. We're talking about um, can we even make the Big 12 tournament possibly? Or are we going to be the 8th seed or is that going to be Kansas? And now we could still be the 8th seed if we get swept. I don't think that's going to happen. But if this team extends their postseason streak and we haven't missed a tournament since 2015, a huge part of that is because of Brandon Beckel and his performances in clutch situations like we saw on Friday. All right, moving ahead to Kansas, um, because that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Uh, both Friday, Thursday and Friday are 6.30 p.m. start time, central time, and then 2 p.m. on Saturday. Kansas is not that great. They're probably, their pitching staff is not that great. Um, on Friday, here's our projected starters. They're all righties, which is good for us. We do not pitch well or hit well against lefties. We have issues there, so I'm glad that they're pitching righties. Colin Bumgarner, whose ERA is 3.94. Hunter Cachero, 6.32. And then Sam Ireland, a 6.64 ERA. All of these three guys are above a, have above a 5 ERA in Big 12 play. Now, they do have some bats. They have five guys over 500 slugging in Big 12 play. That one's kind of... A little bit elevated because of their series against Kansas State. That series took place the same time that we were playing OU, and the wind was just blowing like crazy. Kansas State won that game 21-18. to So that probably boosted a few of these guys' slugging percentages. Um, but if you get swept, you're an eighth. You're tied for six right now. You win the series, you probably finish. You're probably playing in the 4-5 matchup. Now, if you sweep them, you can still get second if you get some help. Um, in the Big 12 tournament. But that's not really the concern. The concern right now is your RPI is 41. That will be good enough for Texas Tech to make it to the NCAA tournament. If they get two out of three, they should be in. They should still be under 45 in the RPI. They should be in the tournament. If they sweep Kansas, you can lock it in. You're going to a regional. Texas Tech will make it if they can sweep Kansas. If they go 2-1, and one, get a win on Wednesday or Thursday in the Big 12 tournament because the committee kind of watches those games, then you should be you should be a lock at that point. Even winning the series 2-1 I think is going to be enough for you. Obviously, you expect Mason Molina to go on Friday. Trendon Parrish likely to go on Saturday. Now, the interesting thing is we started Zane Petty instead of Tabor Fast and fact, Tabor Fast did not see the mound at all this weekend. He was your Sunday starter against Sam Houston State. It was kind of surprising to me that we didn't see Tabor Fast. I think he's been pretty good this year. Ham and Free are solid options. Petty is good through the lineup once. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who we pitch on Sunday because I don't think that Zane Petty did anything to lose the job. I was kind of surprised that he got the opportunity this weekend because against ACU he he pitched two clean innings and then gave up three runs in the third the second time that he was looking at the lineup so they used him in an opener role if it's Zane Petty I'd expect it to be two three innings max for him again because he is rough the second time through the lineup or and he's a freshman he's still developing that's fine um, if you're a freshman that can get us through the lineup one time I will take that a hundred percent but it would not surprise me to see either Zane Petty or Tabor Fast get the start. Brandon Gurton, Brandon Gurton, 
it's been tough for him. He's fallen off a cliff. You thought when we moved him to the bullpen, it would work. He looked really good at, good against Oklahoma. He just has not looked good since. Andrew Devine, man, he was good in 2020, and he's fallen off a cliff. I don't think you're going to see him get meaningful, high leverage um, opportunities in this series against Kansas. But take two out of three, you're likely going to the NCAA tournament. And that's going to carry us on to football. Because Brett McMurphy tweeted out his New Year Six projections, and it has Texas Tech going to the Cotton Bowl. Now, I think that's certainly possible. I said that the goal should be to get to Arlington. Not quite the expectation. I think the expectation is 8-4. and four, But the goal should be get to get to Arlington. So, I, for the Big 12 tournament, Big 12 championship. So, I think it's completely realistic to think this team can make the Cotton Bowl. I don't think that you're hyping them up too much by saying they have a chance. I think that if your expectations go to, oh, they should be in a Cotton Bowl, they should win the Big 12 this year. If those are your expectations, I think those are a bit much. But if those are your goals or hopes for this team, I think that's completely fair. I mean, this team finished the last season really strong. They likely have more talent, and I know you lost Tyree Wilson, but you won your last three games without him and closed out Kansas without him. So I think this team should absolutely expect to be in the Big 12, to to be competing for a Big 12 championship, if not make it to the Big 12 championship game. The next question, is there a legitimate QB competition? Now, I am pretty pretty firm that I think Tyler Shuck will get the first snap in Laramie, Wyoming on the opening week. Now, Baron Morton, I think, is more talented. I think that Tyler Shuck, they said, is way better out of checking out of place at the line, which, you know, if you're in college for six years, you're probably going to be a little bit better than that, better at that than Baron Morton, who's now in his third year at the program. I got confused there for a second whether it was his third or fourth year in the program, but it's his third. He's a redshirt sophomore. So I think, and I don't think Tyler Shuck came back, would come back if he didn't know that he was likely going to be the starter. I think there's every chance that Baron Morton starts over him at some point. Um, I don't think you're going to have the same injury issues with Tyler Shuck since he has metal in both of his shoulders. And I got to bring this one up. This guy from Orange Bloods, uh, because we're... I believe we're winning the race for Micah Hudson, the five-star. We're in a race with TCU there, or not T, with Texas there. And Jeff Ketchman came out and tweeted, basically, if QB play matters like he says it does, this should only end one way. And wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what about Quinn Ewers last year? screamed that he was a dominant QB. And now I think he can be. I think he'll have a good year this year. But if you're judging him by one quarter against Alabama, first, then let's how about we judge Baron Morton's two quarters against Oklahoma State on the road in his first ever start. Because Baron Morton's two quarters against Oklahoma State were way more impressive than than, uh, Quinn Ewers' one quarter against Alabama, in my opinion. 
Did you see any throws from Qu- you saw good throws from Quinn Ewers, but you saw s- spectacular throws from Baron Morton in that game when he was healthy before he had the injury issues. And by the way, Quinn Ewers had an O line, Baron Morton didn't, and our O line's getting better this year. And Baron Morton's gonna be the future. And then you have I I know you have Murphy, who I don't think will really get many opportunities. He's currently the backup right now, I believe. And then you have Arch Manning, who, yeah, Arch can be a great player. I'm not going to overreact to the spring game. But what has he shown? I mean, yeah, I know he's a five-star, highly rated recruit. You know why Why is that? Because of his dang name. He'd be a four-star or three-star without his name. I'm sorry. He was putting up some pretty good numbers against some Louisiana private te- school teams. That that I'm sorry. Louisiana private school and what Baron Morton was playing in what 3A football at Eastland, that in Texas, I I probably say that that Eastland was playing some tougher opponents and Baron Morton was putting up crazier numbers than Arch Manning was and Arch Manning got diced in a playoff game. Baron Morton had his team give up over 70 points and he dropped over 90 to win a high school game. So if QB play really matters that much, also. You have a guy, Donovan Smith, who just beat Texas last year, who left and is going to be a Power 5 starter, and he left because he wouldn't have cracked the two deep with Morton and Shuck. So how's that for QB play? Anyways, I think that's ridiculous. Um, I, I do believe that we're going to end up getting Micah Hudson. I think there is some arrogance from Texas fans about it that we shouldn't be able to compete. First, his dad played here. We, we develop a lot of great wide receivers we send a lot of great wide receivers to the nfl um why wouldn't a receiver want to play here especially yeah we have a good nil program too now i'm sure texas can pay higher dollars but ours ours can get up there too especially if we're not going to be paying uh, um, basketball as much as we were that was a bad investment this past season but i just do not understand the arrogance in this whole micah hudson race that's coming out of Austin there that oh this should be no contest wait we beat you last year and the QB that beat you transferred out because he knew he wouldn't have cracked the two deep and now he's going to be a power five starter come on anyways that's going to do it for this one it is a massive series against Kansas this weekend it is one you should take care of starts tomorrow on Thursday at 6.30 p.m., you take two out of three, you're likely going to the tournament. Uh, once again, if you lose the series, you may be in jeopardy of missing your first tournament since 2015. If y'all would, uh, go ahead and subscribe, leave a rating or, and review. Um, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, let's go beat Kansas.